Well, hello everyone and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is already now the month of July. What a what an amazing thing to be living on this earth during this moment by God's choice and to recognize how quickly time is moving along. And we, as saints, have a great deal of work to do for the kingdom, especially now that we are um, entering into what we know is going to be a time of breakthrough and where the fields uh, of harvest and sowing are opening up again. We have a window of time uh, and we have to be uh, we have to be diligent. And so before we get into the message that we want to share together today from the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, I do want to encourage you and remind you that the seventh month represents something quite important to us. It is a, it is a time where we devote ourselves afresh to being submitted to God in what the scripture speaks about regarding the fast of feasting. And it seems like it's a constant, it's a constant work to submit yourself uh, to the Lord for cleansing from the possibility of bitterness. I think that's one of the reasons, obviously, that in the in the Lord's Supper, uh, God wants us to not only give Him thanks, but He wants us to submit ourselves for our place in the body of Christ, to hear from the Father, for us to welcome the sprinkling of the blood upon the places in our life that that the Spirit deems we need an activation and a cleansing and an empowerment, as well as on the places that in the spirit realm, the patterns in the heavens, and the places we'll be going, the ministry that God is giving us, all of those factors with the sprinkling of the blood. But then, as we have well studied together, the bitter sop, which has been removed from most of the Eucharist throughout the church, but yet there it is. And I think that the Lord wants us to recognize how important it is for us to submit ourselves uh, to be touched by the Spirit of God in points where we could be vulnerable through bitterness. And it's not like it's a one-time cleansing. I mean, there are, there are things all around us right now that could really get a righteous person wound up. And it's not that being free from bitterness removes you from understanding and recognizing areas that are wrong. But it's that we would not be bitter, but that we would be focused on grace and moving forward. And that that is really an important, that's an important understanding. And so we we devote ourselves 
during this month in conjunction with Old Testament passages that suggest this stratagem to saying, Father, help us to align ourselves with you, with the angelic, and let us put away things that are bittering. That's not a word I know. Things that would influence us to be bitter. And so don't forget that that's, that's a focus, the fourth and fifth month, seventh and the tenth. And I, I'm very grateful for the breakthroughs that are already starting. Uh, we're, we're making plans now. Don't ask us for dates, but we're, we're posturing to know where to go, when to go, how to begin to orchestrate people to prepare to go into a lot of theaters of operation that are our responsibility around the world. Right now, Pastor Luciano's church in Sao Paulo, Brazil, has been uh, teaching every Sunday throughout the various stratas of their church, the different age groups, saints curriculum that is being developed at, as we speak. It's like prepare the food, give it to them. And, um, and I, for instance, we began this last month. This month, Mark and Tricia Burke are not only preparing the outlines in our progression, but they're, they're teaching their teachers down there. And then each Sunday, those folks teach. And this is not only blessing that church, but it's providing a curriculum for um, all the other churches in Brazil, and there are many, and there are going to be many more who are coming online. And the, uh, the template of this can also be applied for other nations and languages that uh, our saints speak. But obviously, I can't do anything about those languages. All we can do is to teach what God has brought us from the Word. Now, that's been one of the greatest challenges that we faced over the years. I remember when we first started to go into France and we had books and we were trying to find a way to get them printed and published. And the problem is, is that it's such a new message that people who would try to translate didn't really understand the message. They were giving it their best but we had really not a very clear way of knowing is this really communicating what 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 the lord has given us you know and that's why we appreciate our saints who translate because in order to be able to really speak forward the message you hope that the person who is translating fresh meat understands the message themselves otherwise it's folly and so being able to get our our uh, what god has given us translated adequately into other other uh, languages is something that we all need to be praying for now there have been leaps forward in uh, online translation devices which were not available back then i remember boy we we 
we talked to some people who were professional translators in France and the, the prices, and I'm not faulting them, but the prices for that kind of work were exorbitant. I mean, 40, 50 cents a word. And um, it, it's just, you know, we as the Saints Network, we give away a good portion of what we have. So we, we weren't sitting on a bankroll where we could say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll spend, yeah, I'll spend 10,000 euros to get this one book translated. I mean, you just didn't have that. And so thanks be to God, you know, things have progressed and we're really working toward getting um, this message. We've taught it faithfully and we have printed many things. We've We've uh, videoed and sent forth audio. We have the, the blessing of being able to reach out many, many times a week with our partners around the world through um, this live stream, through our, uh, through our uh, website, the Saints Network website, plus the other types of things like Spotify and podcast carriers. But... <clears throat> we're we're believing in breakthrough not only to be able to go but to to see a great uh, a great advance being able to put the materials into the languages of the indigenous peoples to where God is calling us so we might want to be praying about that so this past sunday i spoke on July 3rd about uh, something that really touched all of us and it, it had to do with the Spirit of God within us. And we've had a lot of these lessons recently. Uh, it's, it seems that the the Spirit of Truth is guiding us into a a deeper understanding of what God has actually put in us and the spirit of God within us that is born again through Christ is not something that in my classic Pentecostal upbringing was really focused on. And I'm not faulting anyone. I'm just saying that the common mindset of anything to do with the spirit of God is either that he moves upon a place or he's everywhere or the Trinity discussion. Now, we would talk about the seven spirits. Um, there, there are discussions about speaking in tongues and receiving a gift from the Spirit um, or the Spirit coming upon a person. But truly, I'm not saying it was never mentioned, but there was never really a focus upon this key element of the divine within us. And God has been meticulously leading us through many understandings in the Scripture of what actually happens within the born-again spirit and how God wants to use it, um, use that 
reservoir, that, um, that index of what God has empowered us to do and what he wants us to become. And, and, and so, you know, I counted yesterday, last evening, when I was just sitting meditating before the Lord, that we've had 10 over the past two years, 10 major themes from the scripture regarding the spirit within. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And, you know, I, I mentioned this, but normally we would get an insight and then we would write it. And as each of these points of understanding were coming, I just had no desire to write. I mean, it was unusual for me. And I, I thought, well, you know, what, <clears throat> why, am I not, why am I not writing? Have I given up? Or is this laziness, which those of you who know me, that's not the issue. But I was feeling a measure of guilt. And, but I, I recognized last night that this is a progression that the Spirit is leading us through. And if you, if you write about something too early, then it's going to be an incomplete work. And once something is out there, it's very hard to revise it. It's very, it's very hard to put addendums in it or, or really to, you know, some of the things that God is showing us recently truly add a flavor and a dimension to what he has shown us earlier. It doesn't contradict what he's shown us earlier, but it's kind of like, you know, we know this in the natural. You get this, this, and this, but then once you get those three, you gain an understanding of how they work, and then that gives you a, a further grasp of the first three points. And so I don't know when God's going to allow us to put that forward. Maybe, maybe by September seminar. I, I don't know. But uh, I've been really thankful to the Spirit of Truth, to our Heavenly Father for the way he has been trying to teach us about this very important thing. And so on Sunday, this past Sunday, we talked about the relationship between fear, either the type of fear that is phobic, where you have a phobia, or timidity and the spirit within. But today, I want to just read with you, um, I just want to read with you what what the scripture says in Romans 8. And this primarily has to do with the Spirit of Christ, which is kind of interesting. So let's just read this. Romans 8, there's no teaching sheet today. This is another one of those times where we're saying, get in the Word. Here we are. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, let's just talk right there. This is showing a definitive contrast between being carnally Letting the, car- letting the carnal, the fleshly, guide the course of your life, as opposed to letting the spirit guide the course of your life. Now, again, most of us who, I suppose it's in the fundamentalists, Bible-believing churches too, would say, well, you know, you can't focus on the things of this world or sin You have to ask God to direct you. You're more interested in the kingdom of God than you are uh, your own earthly uh, desires. And so you have to die daily and uh, follow, follow the Spirit as if the Spirit, and God is everywhere, but as if this, this conception is speaking about some mist or wind of God somewhere else. But as we read through Romans 8, as well as all these other passages that we've looked at, the Spirit is within. God's Spirit is within each person, and it's up to us as Christians, born again, only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, it's, It's important for us to know that that spirit within is what is God's touch point with us. It's the place of life that he gave us. And it's, it's really why Jesus came to sacrifice himself so that we would be born again in spirit and in truth. And so in our bodies, we're either going to be carnally minded where the desires of the flesh, the desires of our emotion, the desires of, of our thought process is, is governing us or that point of the spirit within which is the candle of the Lord. And this is what the scripture is really saying. Now verse 7 says, The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be, watch it now, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Where? In you. Now, the closest we've come to this is I'm asking Jesus into my heart. And I'm born again. Lord, I'm asking Jesus in my heart. It reminds me of the story of the little boy who 
who um, uh, his mom was talking to him about Jesus being living inside, and the little boy put his his head on his mama's chest, his ear was there, and they were talking about this, and you know, just trying to explain things to a little kid, and the little boy popped his head up and said, Mom, sounds like Jesus is making coffee in there. <laughs> he, could hear, he could hear the pumping. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But that's, you know, that's all we think. We don't really think that there's actually the deposit of the Spirit of God within us. But it is there. And it, is, it should be the touch point of how God relates in us and through us. Um, okay, so let's keep reading. Um, let's see where we were. Now, if any man, continuing verse 9, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of him, his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Now, this is really important for us to understand because what is Christ? Christ is the Messiah. He's the anointed Son sent from the Father. And that, that capacity, as, as is said later in this chapter that we talked about Sunday, this past Sunday, is the spirit of adoption, which is sonship and functioning in the anointed tetheme that God has put in you. Those two words, that's adoption, sonship and tetheme. And, and so, to me, that's what Christ activated. That's what should dwell in you, that you would be a son of the Most High God, that you would recognize that God has called you and anointed you to do his, his service, and that there would be no challenge at all in, um, in moving forward as anointed sons, aren't we Christian? Aren't we Christ-like? Yes, but are we? Are we? Are we just telling about Jesus' sacrifice, and that's what makes us Christian, or are we embodying that identity as a son who is in commune with the Heavenly Father, who is functioning by His directive and through His anointing? to do the work of the Spirit. And this is, this is very important. Um, I, am, I, am, um, I am moving uh, toward just asking God every day uh, that, that I, would be, I would be what the Father wants. Did you recognize that on the cross, right before Jesus died, 
he gave his spirit back to God. Now, we know that. We said, okay, once that happened, then he was dead, which is, which really goes against um, some of the progressive ideology and some of the Gnostic ideologies that say that Jesus really was just a phantasm. You know, he, he didn't really live as a man, but, but he did, but through the Spirit, just like we're supposed to. But he offered that capacity of spirit, the triumphant son, to God. It was the last gift that he presented to the father of his earthly ministry before he died. In other words, that he said, look, I have, I have finished this capacity where your spirit the divine spirit within this human body served you. And now I submit this back to you. Of course, the Bible says that Christ had the spirit without measure. What does that mean? That, well, that means that he had every, every uh, metron. He had every dimension of what you or I would be serving in. He, he fulfilled it in every way. His apostolic mission from the Father was to do that. And so he submitted that to God. And that, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's just, that's just wonderful. And so we have to have that spirit of Christ within us, which in just a few verses later, which we spoke about at length on this past Sunday, it's available on archives, is that spirit of adoption where we are sons, huios, and tetheme. We're functioning in the anointing God has given us, the calling God has given us. We are, we are moving on behalf of walking in faith, sowing things forward. And that, that is so important. So um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to the Lord for that. And I know that you you all are too. I remember there was an old man named Harold Hill. He was a when I was a young boy, he was from Wales and he was a friend of our pastor who was also Welsh. And this old man would come over once a year and minister at our church. And he said that one of the favorite songs that they sang in the aftermath of the Welsh revival was based on this verse. And he would sing it. The Welsh people loved to sing hymns. In fact, once every two months, there would be a hymn sing in our church on a Sunday afternoon. And all these people who spoke Welsh, I had no idea there were that many of them in the tri-state area. Uh, they would come to our church, maybe 100, 150 of them. They'd sing these old Welsh tunes, which were really kind of hard to understand. It's a different, weird language to me, weird in my eyes, in my ears. But he's saying, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, dwell in you, and then that would repeat, he will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. And he said that they would sing that song 
when they would be receiving anointings, and they would also sing that song when they were um, in a healing meeting. Those two things. Uh, I guess that song covered all roads. But it came out of this verse. So see there, you learned something you didn't know before, as opposed to the other stuff I've been saying. Um, verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you die. But if you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you live. For as many as are led by this Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Here we go. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again that provokes fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit, Otos, also with, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then it goes through some other factors that we've talked about recently. Isn't this something? I mean, it, it just really is something. Yes, it's God's spirit within us. We give this back to God. He's the, he's the author of spirits. It only comes through him. The enemy can't create a spirit. And um, I'm, I'm just very grateful that we have been given the privilege of having this, the, the Spirit of God guide us into further understandings of this, and I'm sure there are many more coming. So we talked about, <coughs> excuse me, how that breathing, allowing the Spirit of God to breathe within you through Friend, P-H-R-E-N, and Froneo, how that that capacity where the Spirit of God within is functioning, and that that's you recognizing that you need to be praying in diversities of tongues, unknown tongues, because when you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit prays. Note that, those of you who are purists of the word, it says your spirit prays. It doesn't say, well, the Spirit of God comes on me, and when I feel it coming, then I speak out a couple of words in unintelligible language that I've spoken since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. You know, some, you know, my mother was that way. I'm, my late mother, I'm not faulting her at all. But she got filled with the Spirit when she was like, I think she was in her 50s, I think. And she had been in Pentecostal churches all her life. And I asked her, how often do you speak in tongues? And she said, probably about once a month. And I said, why do you... I was just a kid when I asked this. What, why do you... What, what makes you know you should speak in tongues? And she said, well, I just feel the Spirit. And, and then I, I speak, some words come out. She was a very private person, so she was very... Um, she was very reticent to talk about these things. But since I was her baby, I guess she let down the, the veil for a minute. But I dare say that's what a lot of Pentecostals do. You know, they don't make it a habit to pray every day in the Spirit or, God forbid, 
just spend an hour or two praying in the Spirit and then hearing what God's saying and, and interpreting that. It's all right there in the Word, but it's not something that people do. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's a difficult thing for us. Now, sometimes we talk about what we just read, where if you focus on the spirit, the carnal mind and the flesh has to take a second, secondary place. You know, the, the word tells us that um, the natural mind is at enmity with the things of the spirit. You have to recognize that. And we often think that that means just being focused on the world or um, focused on lust or jealousies or envies or seven deadly sins. And yeah, we shouldn't be engaging in those things. However, it could also mean the strengths that your mind has. Not, I was, I was uh, at a friend of mine's uh, uh, stylist studio. In other words, a barber. Very, very dear friend. I've known him for many, many years. And um, it's always interesting to go to see him because he knows what I do. And he's a Christian, too. And there are many times that people will bring somebody who's immediately before me or after or somebody that's walked through the hall. The Spirit just brings them in and we minister to them. And it's amazing the things God does. I really have to stay prayed up before I go in to see him. So I was there on Saturday. And um, a man came in after me who was a Christian. You could tell he loved the Lord. He knew the word, and he just started talking. And he, he had had a very successful business here in Dallas. And he, he, uh, I don't, I, I don't know all the reaches of where where all he, uh, his business served, but it was a very, very important, very affluent business. And he also was part of a. Uh, a very large church here in Dallas, and he headed up a ministry for many years. And and uh, but the, these folks were not, you know, they obviously aren't weren't spirit filled as many churches here in Dallas aren't. But he knew the word, and he was he. I think this guy could have sold sand to an, an Arabian sheik. Um, you know, it, it, he just going on and on and on and he wasn't bragging, but he, you could tell he was just talking and then he'd start almost like preaching. He would talk different things. I guess once he found out I was a pastor, he wanted to show that he knew his stuff. And I just listened. He talked 95% of the time and it was an enjoyable thing. He was telling stories and all kinds of other things. And I thought this guy is as sharp as a tack. I really admired his skills and his abilities. And he was obviously, he obviously loved the Lord. And he, he was just really uh, an impressive individual. But I knew as well that that sharp mind that he had most likely thought that 
my leanings toward the things of the Spirit was nonsense at the very least. And that the way to minister is to just be the Roman road, be aggressive, be confident, believe for the blessing of the Lord in your business and in your walk of life and let that be a testimony to everybody else, which is fine. That's great. I, I'm, I was impressed. But does, does that mind, I can't speak for him, but that mindset dominates a good portion of Christianity that is still Bible-believing. And where is the place for the Spirit to say, no matter how sharp this mind is, it's still carnal? Will you shut that down for a minute and let the Spirit commune through you? Or is Jesus just making coffee in there? And I'm not faulting anybody. What I'm saying is the things that we're sharing together, not only here from Romans 8, but from so many other places uh, in the scriptures, there's no room really for them, those scriptures, to have any measure of life if your view of Christianity is that once I'm born again, then I need to live a good life and I need to know the scriptures in the paradigm through which I view the scriptures and I need to bring others into this walk. That's great. But is there any room for the spirit of God within to really do any of these things that we are seeing in the scripture? You should let it, uh, let it have its way to do. So, what does this mean for us? I think that we remind ourselves of the fact that God has given us the wonderful privilege of being born again. And up to the time that we were in sin, before we were born again, we, we were in bondage. Literally, as we said on Sunday, that meant not just that we were a slave, but it involved that measure of separation from your identity, that separation from your homeland, that separation from what you were born to be. That's the essence of, of bondage. And because you're in that position, you're separated from the point of strength that God ordained you to move in. And so everything is self-preservation. Everything at its root is fear. You think about it. Well, I'm not a fearful person, you might say. Okay. So when you're working really hard, and you're trying your best to be prosperous in business. Uh, at the root of all of that, is it the fear that 
you might be a failure or deemed a failure or the fear that you may not be able to provide for your family or the fear that, you know, people might mock you or wag their finger and their tongue at you and, and ridicule. See, fear has torment. Um, and there are a lot of factors of, of what Phobos does and, and timidity in, in 2 Timothy. God hasn't given you the spirit. spirit. God does, did not call your spirit to be timid, but it should function, have power, dunamis. It should be seeking after what God's perfect will is, agape. And subsequently then that should guide what your mind thinks. Power, love, sound mind. But not a spirit that is engendered by timidity. So I ask you to reflect on what's going on in your spirit. I, I remind you that it is essential for you to be praying in spirit. That keeps you alive in the functionality of the spirit. If, it, if you're not, if something's not breathing, it's dead. And if, if you're not allowing the spirit within to express those mysteries to the Father... Your, the, the, the breathing apparatus isn't functioning right and there are debilitating uh, results. Yeah, I don't know that you recognize that, but it's really true. And subsequently, then you won't have an understanding, um, which is another derivation of that word, of the deeper things of the Spirit. And then your affections which is another derivation of that word, will not be devoted to the things of God. You'll become cold and really lukewarm. So many Christians, even Pneumatikos people, this is something that's been burdening me recently. I don't know what they expect from God. They don't recognize that as sons you have a responsibility. It's not by works. But you have a responsibility to apply this word. Um, you need to take responsibility for what God has given you. And I, I, don't, I don't know that um, many Christians, many even some saints, they lose track of that. And if something exciting is not happening, or if they, if they aren't, uh, if they aren't feeling some kind of a, an exhilaration in the natural or, or things that they've come to love and interaction with others, if that's withheld for a moment, it's almost like that's what they build themselves on and then they, they drift away. They won't say they're drifting away, but they drift away. They're lukewarm. They're not hot and they're not cold. They, they find that middle ground, that shadow land in the spirit. And that's not acceptable to the Lord. He says, see, really, you spew that out. You imagine, no, I don't think, I've been to a lot of museums around the world. I've never seen one of the Renaissance artists paint, paint that. I've seen all kinds of other pictures and depictions of Jesus, but 
I've never seen one where he's spewing something out of his mouth. I'm not trying to be gross, but that's not a concept that most Christians uh, are wanting to entertain. But we have a responsibility to stay, to stay functional. And the Spirit within, the Spirit of Christ as an anointed Son within, and that truly lines up with the spirit of adoption there in Romans 8. And that should dwell in you. And again, that's right before Jesus um, dropped his head on the cross and uh, expired. He gave his spirit back to God. Now, it's arguable. Well, you know... Billions of people have died, and usually when it's their time to die, that's the spirit goes back to God on its own. You don't have to release it. <laughs> so it was almost as if that was, into your hands I commend my spirit. That partnership with God, that's where Jesus put his triumphant spirit as a son. And then, as he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again, and he ascended into the heavens at the right hand of the Father, that Spirit of Christ is, I think we should be declaring that the Spirit of the risen Christ is active within our spirit. Well, this has been more of a Bible study today. Uh, there's no teaching sheet. I'm not, I'm not going down through a long list of, uh, and I love that. We've done that. I'm not mocking or criticizing that. That's the way we have to process as Demonicos people when we're teaching a new concept. But <clears throat> I have really felt as if you've not noticed that we need to not only understand those Demonicos principles, but we need to be reading the Word and identifying those principles in the Word. And um, that's our blessing in the Spirit. So, let's pray in the Spirit. Let's welcome the Spirit of Christ within us. Let's make sure that we're not dwelling in any of the facets of fear, that we're not estranged from our Father, that we are moving in, in adoption as sons and that we are absolutely allowing the functionality of the Spirit, the, the, the pursuit of the will of the Father, and that our mind and our human, uh, our human body and, and mind and emotion submit itself to what the Spirit of God is wanting. We do that. We're going to be well equipped for not only now, but the days to come, but most importantly, to represent our Father in the way that Christ came to make possible. Well, thanks for joining today. <clears throat> God bless you all. Uh, we continue to pray for you. And again, don't forget, this is the seventh month. So um, let's, uh, let's every day be focusing on, Lord, keep me free from bitterness. Let me move forward in grace. Till next time, God bless you all, and goodbye.